Welcome to session number 102 of Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. And we are doing that today with Ask Scanner School Volume 15. All the show notes and session notes from today's podcast can be found online at scannerschool.com slash session 102. Now, before we begin, I just want to remind you that I have a goal in mind, and I'm looking to get 100 five-star reviews in iTunes by the end of the year. And we're getting very close to that. I want to thank everybody who has submitted their iTunes reviews. And don't forget to send me a snapshot of that uh, review so I can put you in the running to win a free tutoring session. Again, I'm calling my consulting calls now at tutoring sessions. And I want to make sure that you guys are able to uh, qualify if you are leaving me a feedback. So if you feel like I deserve a five-star review, that's great. But if you feel like I don't deserve a five-star review, I'd love to know why. I'm always trying to improve the podcast and this podcast is here for you. So the better I can make it for you, the better it makes me feel. So again, go to scannerschool.com slash iTunes to leave your review. Take out your iPhone out of your pocket and click on the review button right from there. Or if you're on another platform, maybe listen to us on radio.com, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever it is that we're found. You can also leave us a review there as well and just shoot me a screenshot. You can do so by emailing me, phil at scannerschool.com or by sending me a direct message on Instagram at scannerschool. So right now, let's jump right into this week's podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. All right, so welcome back to Scanner School. Again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger. My material call sign is W2LAE. And this podcast today is answering your questions. So if you have scanner radio-related questions or just radio questions in general, you can ask me by going to scannerschool.com slash ask. My advice to you is to ask me as soon as you have a question. Don't keep putting it off because the sooner you ask the question, the sooner I can get you into the schedule for an answer. And I do now try to answer the, most of these questions as fast as I can via email really quickly. And then I expand on it on the podcast. So you don't have to wait a month or two to get an answer. So like I'm saying, ask right away. Again, scannerschool.com slash ask is the best way to ask the question. And if you do ask using either SpeakPipe or our local number, which is 516-308-2885. Again, the number and the link to SpeakPipe are at scannerschool.com slash ask. You will be in the running for a free tutoring session. Again, I'm calling my consulting calls tutoring sessions because I'm trying to stick within the branding name. Well, speaking of branding names and school sessions, I want to thank everybody who has checked out the brand new club, the ScannerSchool.club. It's an online community, similar but not quite like Facebook, but it's a chance for you guys to interact, to network with the fellow Scanner School students, and it's a community for you guys. So upload the pictures of your radios. Let us know what you're up to. Let us know what you're finding. And again, we're just getting it off the ground now. We do definitely have some growing pains to go along with it. So right now is a great opportunity to check it out and give me your feedback. Let me know what you think about it because, again, there's plenty of room for improvement. And right now is the best time for uh, your feedback. This way I can start implementing things right away. So with that, let's go into our very first question. Okay, so Joseph Dernal wants to know, or he writes in, 
What can you tell us about scanning the frequencies found in the National Interoperability Field Operations Guide? I keep a scan list with these frequencies, but I've never really used it, probably because my area around Washington, D.C. has pretty solid regional radio plan with interoperability built in. But I'm sure there's a lot of places where the feds and regional resources may need to use these frequencies for large exercises, events, or disasters. Joseph, great, great question. And to be honest with you, I do have the NIFOG or the National Interoperability Field Operations Frequencies in a scan list in my scanners. And I do hear quite a bit on the UTAC frequencies, but that's because there's an agency in New Jersey that happens to use them quite frequently. So I do get those uh, in quite as quite often. Uh, I also found out too that the county adjacent to me will jump onto the 800 TAC frequencies as part of their car to car frequencies. So they're using those as well. So while you may hear a lot of stuff uh, locally, based on the way that your systems are set up. I really haven't had much of experience listening to the NIFOG stuff and hearing anything really too exciting. What I really did discover though is when a disaster happens, that's when things start to really light up and become active. So I've told this story before, but I'll go back into it again here for anybody that hasn't really caught it yet. We had Superstorm Sandy roll through here a couple of years back at this point. I really don't remember how many years ago it's been, but it was quite a while and it was just before Halloween. And what ended up happening was they, they call it Superstorm because it wasn't really a hurricane, but the way that the winds were pushing in and, and the storm was just off the coast of Long Island, it pushed all of the water basically into the Long Island Sound and, and up the coast. And there was tons of flooding on Long Island. So both the north shore of, of Long Island and the south shore got uh, hammered tremendously with, uh, with, with flooding and everything else. I mean, this, there's pictures that were very popular in uh, the media where uh, the tunnels leading into New York City had flooded. There was a neighborhood in Queens, a beach community in Queens, that had not only just flooded, but there was a fire that was burning, uh, burnt basically most of the neighborhood to the ground into foundations of homes. Where my parents live, they had some some uh, flooding as there, and also parts of the neighborhood were also had homes that were catching on fire. I had a coworker who's since retired. He was in his house in an area in Southern Nassau County on Long Island. And he has picture windows in the front of his house. It looked like it was aquarium. Basically he had four foot high water. He was looking at the water and eventually retreated to the second story of his house. Since going down his neighborhood after the fact, the beach, uh, the sand was halfway across the barrier Island. Lots and lots of damage in his neck of the woods as well. We had, the black helicopters you never want to see flying overhead, Red Cross, FEMA, all sorts of agencies came in for disaster relief. During that time, I threw, it was my first opportunity and the first real smart thing I did for a while. I threw the interoperability frequencies into my scanner and I was very surprised to hear all of the activity on the VTAC and UTAC channels. Lots of Accents that were not native to my neck of the woods were showing up on those frequencies. Very professional, very well trained. The traffic that was being passed back and forth, you can tell these were things that people in the um, uh, armed services had been training for. So while 
this isn't a day-to-day operations where I live. It just turned out that there was enough people from enough different groups where they jumped onto some of these interoperability groups and they were using those to communicate amongst themselves. It was analog. It wasn't P25. Again, we're going back a couple of years. Things might change going forward now. I know a lot of the interoperability channels do have P25 counterparts to them. But all in all, I definitely recommend having the interoperability channels in there. And what we'll do is we'll link to the NIFOG document and also to the radio reference wiki page that has these in there. Uh, I, I strongly, strongly recommend that you at least put this in as a bank, especially if you have a home patrol style device or the uh, Whistler TRX easy scan type of scanner. So you have plenty of memory in them and uh, definitely load them in. It's better to have them in there and not need them. And all of a sudden they realize that, you know, it's hitting the fan and there's a lot of agencies in there and it's kind of not in the middle of the disaster anymore, but the recovery effort, I think that's when you'll really start to hear them as well. So again, great question. And if anybody else is hearing anything on the interoperability channels, I'd love to hear from you. Again, this question and answer is kind of leaning towards the states, but if you're also overseas and abroad outside the United States, I'd love to hear uh, what it is you guys have for interoperability as well. But for some reason, that is just a tongue twister for me tonight. Joseph, great question. And uh, thanks again for submitting it. So Dan Watson writes in, Hi, Phil. Love the podcast. Thanks, Dan. I live in Connecticut. I'm going to leave the town out here for a little bit. A ham radio general class license, but very green. I'm a longtime scanner listener, grew up with it. My dad still is and was until everyone went to a statewide. His home patrol, as he says, is useless now. I have a Newton 436 and a home patrol too. I believe both can do a P25 phase two. I believe my dad's original home patrol he bought program from Scanner Master years ago is not. So I'm going to pause right here and just interject. So yes, the 436 and the home patrol two will support P25 phase two. The original home patrol, the home patrol one did not support phase two. It only supports phase one. And a little bit of a side note is Uniden did try to bring out some beta firmware just to see if they can get phase two decoding on the original home patrol and found out there wasn't enough horsepower under the hood to do the TDMA, breaking out the TDMA and putting it back together again, basically. So in other words, that's why they came up the home patrol too for anybody who was kind of really wondering there. So Dan continues with, the other thing is my dad has only had the firmware updated once and I have never had that done. I was considering getting the new Uniden SDS 200 at some point, but realized that won't fix my problem. I need to buy a cheap laptop, download the software and set up favorites list for the new frequencies for my local area. Problem is, since everyone has switched over to a statewide, the list of frequencies are not in radio reference lists that I can tell. Talk groups? This is where he has a question mark. This is where the beginning of the help is needed. So I'm planning on buying a used laptop at a local computer shop in Mystic. What operating system do I need for the Uniden or other programming software? I have been a Mac guy for years now, but definitely need a PC laptop to update all of the new SDRs. We could start there. Then I need to help to find the frequencies since the change over for the statewide. So he's looking for basically his local counties and these local counties when he travels as well. So basically, uh, 
what is going on here in Connecticut is there's a brand new statewide system, right? And it is called the Connecticut Land Mobile Radio Network, CLMRN. And there's actually a good list of frequencies and also talk groups on Radio Reference. So what you'd want to do is go to radioreference.com slash apps slash DB, navigate over to Connecticut. Then at the very bottom of the page, you're going to see the Connecticut Land Mobile Network. So don't even go into the county. Just go right to the state. If you say you jumped into Hartford, again, jump all the way down to the bottom, and you'll also see the Connecticut Land Mobile Radio Network there when you go into it. So again, it's labeled as a Project 25 Phase 2 uh, system, but it's labeled that because there's Phase 2 talk groups on that system, and that system is capable of doing Phase 2 talk groups. So here's the trick. The Home Patrol will still work on any talk group that is not phase two. And there are plenty of talk groups on this system that are phase one talk groups. For example, statewide interoperability talk groups are just D in the database, which means they're digital. State police have plenty of digital talk groups. There's some encryption on here, but not much. You start getting into the TDMA of the phase two when you go into the specific villages and counties. So Groton, Hartford, Madison, uh, Madison's a bad example, actually. Madison is, uh, police are just digital. But Groton and Durham are both TDMA or phase two, okay? Fairfield, UASI is mostly unencrypted and just digital, Middlesex has got TDMA. Again, that's phase two. So it's a little bit hodgepodge all over with it leaning very heavy into just phase one. All right. Now, as the system grows, things could change or they could very easily change and, and try to add more capacity to it. The trick here, though, is you have a lot of simulcast systems. You have it's basically a simulcast network where each troop is located. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, J, K all have their own troops and own simulcast systems. Uh, you also have the statewide system and, and whatnot as well. This operates on the 700-800 spectrum. So for the most part, if you do an update on the Home Patrol 1, you should, in theory, be able to monitor this system if you're not getting issues with any simulcast. So let's go on to the next part of your question, the computer. I definitely recommend a decent laptop with Windows 10 in there. Windows 10 because Windows 7 is going the way of the Dodo as far as support goes at the early part of next year. Also recommend 64-bit operating system, 64-bit uh, architecture in that laptop. You can find a decent laptop if you just can use it for radio programming in about the $300 range to $500 range. You don't have to go crazy if all you're going to use it for is for radio programming. Now, again, I can sympathize with you. I am, I'd like to say I'm a recent Mac uh, convert, but I've been using Mac, uh, the Mac computer now for about two years now. Absolutely love it. And now going over to a Windows computer, I cringe when I have to do it. I am just more at home now on a Mac and uh, I have 
I've digested and drank the apple juice, and I am definitely in camp jobs at this point uh, of where things sit. So um, everybody who knows me personally is uh, very shocked to see that I am on the Apple bandwagon. I'm part of the Apple camp now. I've been so anti-Apple for years, and um, I, I have finally drank the apple juice and, uh, well... Now I have the computer, the phone, the AirPods, the iPods, and uh, maybe it's depending on how things went with Black Friday, I could even be in possession of a MacBook Pro. I mean, this is re being recorded before Thanksgiving, but it airs after, so we'll see how that works. But uh, definitely sympathize with you, and even using Parallels on your Mac, uh, it works. I do find it to be a bit sluggish. I just don't know if it's the way it's installed on my computer, but just go ahead and, and you know, if, if I think uh, $3, $350 to $400 would be a great uh, entry point there. What you're going to need at least for the different, you have two flavors of Home Patrol here. The Home Patrol 1 and the Home Patrol 2 use the one flavor of Sentinel. It's the orange shield or the red shield Sentinel. The 436, the 536, the SDS-100 and the SDS-200, they use the green shield uh, Sentinel software. All right, so you have two flavors of Sentinel. They kind of don't play well together, but you'll need to do them not only to update the Home Patrol databases, but also to do firmware upgrades and whatnot. So I, it's definitely something you could do at home. You could do on your own. Again, if you have problems with it, you can always send it out to Scanner Master. I do have affiliate codes for Scanner Master. I highly recommend them. And they, they do excellent work. And, and they can even just send you down the SD card with the firmware update on it already applied and a database, and all you really do at that point is swap out the SD card that's in the radio. You pop in the new one, and then the uh, the firmware is downloaded from the SD card into your scanner. So if you really want to take the paint out of the program for it, Scanner Master definitely has the ability to do that for you. Again, getting yourself over onto the new system, tell your dad not to throw out that Home Patrol. It still has some value on the new statewide system. He just can't listen to any of the TDMA talk groups that are on there. Again, to find out this system, just go to radioreference.com slash apps slash DB. Go to Connecticut and then scroll to the very bottom of the page and you will see the link to the brand new Connecticut Land Mobile Radio Network with all of the frequencies and talk groups in there. And if you're going through Sentinel, it's the exact same thing. You go to you go to, to uh, United States, go to Connecticut, and then you just uh, go into a county, actually. Uh, once you go into the county, you can then find the trunk system in there as well. So Dan, great question. And if you have any more questions about the, uh, the setup, Definitely feel free to contact me, phil at scannerschool.com. All right, let's go on to our last emailed question for the week before we jump into our voicemail questions. Okay, this question comes in from Dylan, and Dylan and I went back and forth on a couple of emails, so I don't really have a worded question for you, but to summarize what's going on with Dylan is he is uh, in need of a new indoor antenna but he is a basement dweller. So he's looking to pick up uh, VHF transmissions and he can kind of hear things right now. So what he did was he sent me a link to a couple of frequencies that were in his area. And again, he is uh, in Pennsylvania and I'm looking through things right now as uh, I'm refreshing my memory here. And it looks like basically it's just fire paging and some, uh, it's all VHF. I asked him if he was able to hear anything now or if he wasn't hear, able to hear anything, if it was coming in really clear. So his answer to that was he's hearing 
what he wants to hear, but it's coming in with a little bit of static. So he's just looking to really improve the reception of what he has now. There's a couple of different ways that we can go about this answer. So one of the ways was, does he have the ability at all to bring an antenna outside, right? Because once you can get an antenna above ground, of course, it's going to work a lot better than being stuck beneath grade. So with that, I was asking if he's got the ability to bring outside, you know, something like put a mag mount on an uh, on a air conditioner, or just to get something in a mast or a cement bucket on a mast with some Dacron rope guy wires, you know, something that didn't need a radial kit or something that could just use a rail kit. But it seems like he needs to stay completely indoors. Even putting something like through the vent chase up through the attic right, and bringing the coax down that way didn't seem like it was something that was doable to him. So being that he is a basement dweller, that he has to keep the antenna in the basement, he is picking up some reception, maybe not perfect, but he's not missing transmissions according to him. I am going to say he's probably going to be a very good candidate for Whistler's brand new scanner antennas. Now, again, I haven't yet gotten my hands on these antennas yet, but I have had some feedback from uh, from some people who have used the new antennas, and they are very happy with them. So if you go to whistlergroup.com, look for the little red bars as our products, and scroll down the product accessories, and then click on radio scanners. On that screen, you'll see pretty much accessories you would expect to find. Speakers, antennas, or set-top antennas, cases, belt clips, you name it. There's a couple of brand new antennas here that I want to bring to your attention. There is a standard mag mount antenna that sells for about $19.99 US. Now, again, I don't have any affiliate links for this one, but it's the WMM160. And again, this one's supposed to do fairly well on VHF and UHF. It's 19 inches tall, mag mount base. It's meant to go not only in a car, but you can mag mount it somewhere in your basement. So you're going to want to have some metal on it. So get a cookie sheet, put it on top of, you know, a file cabinet or on top of an air conditioner. This is where you're going to want to put this type of antenna because it does need the mirror image of itself through some sort of metal uh, in order to be the full size antenna. Going up from there, they have the WMM460. This is a little bit of an interesting contraption here. Again, I've, re I've looked at this before. It's basically a magnetic base with a disc on top of that where it has four separate antennas that stick up from the base. That one is $34.99, and currently as I'm recording this, it is out of stock. Now, again, this is a multi-band antenna for VHF, UHF, and 800. It's about 25 inches tall and they claim it will enhance the reception of any scanner, which I don't doubt. Finally, which I think might be a really cool solution here, is the Discone antenna. It's a WMM860. Basically, it's got a Discone base with a couple of radials come off the side, and then again, four whipped, tuned whipped antennas that come out off the top of it. This one, again, is a bit pricier, $79.99, but this does have a magnetic base, and again, you want to put this on something like a file cabinet or a cookie sheet. It stands three feet tall, uh, 36 inches, 
But again, it's an indoor internal discone antenna. If you have listened to this podcast before, you know that I'm a fan of discone antennas. So this one might be a good deal for you. Now, again, I have not seen this one, these antennas sold anywhere else yet besides whistler.com or whistlergroup.com. You can buy them direct from factory. Again, I don't have any affiliate links for this just of yet. I'm, I'm waiting to see if Scanamaster or Amazon starts to carry it. But these could be some good solutions for you as well. So I would recommend it to go something with this route. And uh, I, I bet you that just by having these antennas, uh, you can put it near your window. would definitely help you out as well. And unfortunately, being living in a basement, it's kind of your underground. But I do have faith that this could be a good solution because you are saying you are picking up what it is that you want to hear. You just have it not coming in so clear. So with that, I know that by improving your antenna, you will definitely improve your reception. So Dylan, I'm glad we were able to go back and forth on this type of question and also able to uh, get you an answer. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. So Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies. So right now, while this airs, I am right in the middle of a promotion for the holidays. This promo will expire on December 7th, 2019. And they go as follows. I have a unbelievable good deal on the Unication G1 Pagers. I can't tell you the price on those. I can't tell you the price on the G2s or the G3s. However, on the G4s, they are 545 and the G5s are 645. Now, again, this pricing is no big deal. Well, it is a big deal, but it's not part of my big deal. See, this pricing expires communication on December 15th. I'm sweetening this deal and my stuff expires December 7th. Here's the deal. Five-year warranties. So everybody who places an order, I am going to pull the orders together and make one big one for Unication. Just don't tell Unication I'm going to do that. When I do that, everybody will get a five-year warranty. On top of that, I'm going to give you some free belt clips, free shipping, and also a free nylon case. That's right, a free case as well. This is my black Friday deal when it comes to Unication pagers. Now, if you want a Swiss phone product, I got the same kind of deal for you. An unmentionable deal on a S-Quad Voice or S-Quad 360, free case, free shipping, and uh, a free clip. Unfortunately, the warranties are only for the Union product. So here's the deal. Just go to scannerschool.com and enter one of these promo codes. Very simple, very easy. SSG1BF, SSG2BF, SSG3BF, SSG4BF, or SSG5BF. Obviously, I would hope you would know what the codes stand for, but they'll take you right to where it is that you got to go. Now, if you're looking for the Swiss phone deal, it's SSS quad. Too confusing for you? I got you. Just go to scannerschool.com slash session 102, and the link will be right in there for the Black Friday deal. Now, again, this Black Friday Cyber Monday promotion expires December 7th, 2019. Now, I want to also take a minute to thank my Patreon supporters and everybody else who has supported Scanner School. Without you guys, this podcast wouldn't exist, and this podcast is here for you. So if I am not hitting the nail on the head, I would love to hear your feedback. 
For all of you who are supporting the podcast through the several ways we have available to you, I want to thank you. The goal here isn't to get rich off the podcast. The goal here isn't to make money off the podcast. It's just to offset the costs, okay? You go to scannerschool.com slash support, and I have several ways that you can help support the podcast. A great way to do so is especially right now during the holiday season. If you are a heavy Amazon shopper, please go to scannerschool.com support and then click on the Amazon link. By doing so, everything you buy, we will get a small commission off of. So it's a great way to help support Scanner School while you're doing your holiday shopping. It won't cost you anything to do so, and we get a small, small commission off of your shopping cart. If you're looking for a new scanner, you can go ahead and check out our Scanner Master links. Or if you need software, we have links to Butel Software. Looking to make a one-time donation, you can do so via our PayPal link or even our Patreon link. Now, again, I want to take a minute here to thank our continued Patreon supporter, Dan, Glenn Bryden, James Felling, M.T. Bono, Raymond Hill, Todd Glendie, Craig Harper, Guy Lee, Irvin Turbido, Jeff Block, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Ronnie Block, Sal Marandola, Scott Forder, Signals Everywhere, and William Arcand. You guys are awesome, and I want to thank you all again for your support. Now, for those of you who are supporting me at the $5 level, I want to thank you so much. That equates to just about a dollar a week or a dollar a podcast. So if you think about the price point, what you're getting, a dollar a podcast really is a nice little support that is it's not really overly expensive and it's uh, it definitely does help us out. Every little bit helps us out, especially when I'm spending about $590 a month to put the podcast out. Yeah, it costs a little bit of money to do so. So again, to all my Patreon supporters and all those who are using my affiliate links and help supporting us, I want to just say thank you so much for your continued support. This podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your help and your support. And now for the conclusion of this week's podcast. Okay, so now let's jump into our voicemail, either via SpeakPipe or the local number. Now, again, everybody who has asked a question via SpeakPipe or our voicemail methods are in the running for a free tutoring session. Now, at the end of the podcast, we will let you know who is the winner of the uh, free tutoring session. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into our very first question. Hey, Phil, Lou Carollo here. We spoke a few weeks ago. Um, the uh, consulting call that I won about the um, DMR on the Unidens. Um, I appreciate the help with that. That was very, uh, That was very good. I got everything sorted out and I really do appreciate it. Um, uh, to my question, uh, specifically about the SDS 100, um, the filters built into this thing, the global filters and all those settings. Um, I wanted to know if you could speak on what each filter does specifically. Um, I mean, I, I have an idea just from trial and error, using different filters on, uh, different systems around where I live, but I can't find any documentation, um, you know about what each one is supposed to do or the theory behind each filter and my brain i need to know <laughs> um so i was wondering if you knew and if you did could you please share with us um it would be very helpful all right keep doing what you do phil you're the best love the podcast hey lou glad to uh hear from you again and hope things are going well uh with your brand new trx1 by the way and uh 
continuing to do good things with your Home Patrol device as well. So to answer your questions, there's no real guide when it comes to what the filters are. And, and a lot of the answers are you just have to play around with them to see how well they work for you where you are. So it's kind of everybody's going to have a different reaction to the filters. It may work well for you where it doesn't work well for somebody else and this, that, and the other thing. So the recommendation from Uniden is basically just to listen to a frequency and play around the filters and see when it comes in the best. Now, this is the only real answer we're going to find here is what I can find on a forum at Radio Reference. And I will put a link to this as well. Basically, Lindsay, the owner and CEO of Radio Reference, was asking this very same question. A couple of people chimed in, especially uh, Uden Upman. He also chimed in as well. And again, his answer is, and I'm reading it right here, says, unfortunately, trial and error, try each setting. The one that works best is the one to use at that location. More specifically, though, he says that the normal filter is a high-pass filter. The invert is a low-pass filter. Wide is just a wider-pass frequency filter. Globally just means, now this is me speaking and not in our Upman, but globally just basically means that it's the global settings in the scanner the way you want it. And in auto, I believe that auto is the other setting that's in there. That is just going to slow down your scan rate. So don't use that auto setting if you can avoid it. So, um, you know, just find out works really best for you. Unfortunately, this is the only real answer that I can find that's out there. Again, I have also searched high and low for, and this is really the only thing I could find. So I keep this one bookmarked just for that reason only. So again, Lou, I want to just say, you know, thanks again for the feedback. Thanks again for your support. Uh, you're one of the more active members in the community. I want to really thank you for that as well. And uh, keep up the good work, man. Keep uh, keep scanning and keep learning and let us know what, uh, what else we can do for you. All right, Lou, thanks again for that uh, question. And now let's jump into our next voicemail question. Hello, my name is Josh. I've been in the hobby for some 30 years. I'm a ham radio operator also. Um, just curious where you see the hobby going in the next 10 years. Everything was analog, then it became trunked, and now it's digital and P25 phase two. Everything's more complicated and more expensive, honestly. I'm just curious what you think uh, for the next 10 years. Is everything going to be solely computer-based, or are we still going to have a little bit of a hobby left? Thanks. Hey, Josh, I want to say thank you so much for asking that question. And that is really a great, great question, making me think about this one for a little bit. Where do I see the hobby going in the next 10 years? Well, let's, let's take a look at what we know now. Let's look at the last 10 years. So in the last 10 years, I have seen my local police department get off of their UHF conventional system, move over to a UHF in the T-band, no less, in other words, 500 megahertz, they are on a P25 phase one system capable of phase two, encrypted. So I've lost the ability to listen to my local police department. On the flip side, the local fire departments here have not changed a single thing as far as their transmission status. Still analog. The local county is Desperately trying to get off of low band because Motorola has given up support for low band radios. Uh, their paging line has gotten rid of the low band, which is why as a Unication dealer, I'm very happy because I'm selling quite a bit of low band pagers on Unication. But side note, 
And uh, so it's a lot more UHF on, on there. Uh, a couple of departments have played around with their own P25 systems. A couple of departments play around DMR. Uh, I, I've noticed a lot of water companies here are playing around with DMR and digital. Uh, hospitals and businesses are getting off of conventional and are using DMR. So where do I see things in the next 10 years. I see a lot more digital in the next 10 years. I see a lot more companies and businesses seeing the benefits of compression, of, of putting more users on the limited resources when it comes to DMR, P25, and those kinds of things. I would think that the level, the playing field would kind of level out. It would stay to businesses, I think would be uh, NXDN when it comes to replacing the the LTR systems, I think we'll see DMR also replace some of the uh, the, the old LTR systems. I think a lot of the EDACs and the Motorola Type Twos are going to be P25 Phase Two, only because in order to get the government grants here locally, you're going to have that. Now overseas, it, you could see a lot more DMR, you could see a lot more Tetra, you could see a lot more you know stuff like that over there where um, I think the P25 sticks more to the States, but I'm not really 100% sure of that. It's it's going to be a lot more digital. Is it going to be a lot more computer-based? I think, to be honest with you, I think we're going to see a lot more coming out with these SDRs one way or another. Either very beneficial, where we see a lot more an explosion when it comes to DMR, um, I'm sorry, SDRs and what you could do with them, or it could be more of a an issue where people are going to get wise to what we can do with SDRs and that's going to put the brakes on a lot of things or put caps on things or it just could be that people are aware and agencies are aware that more and more can be done with the computer and they're going to do more and more to kind of sidestep what people with computers can do. So I don't really know which way it's going to go that way. I, I definitely see, though, there's still being a market for radios, right? Uh, not everybody's going to go encrypt. There's always going to be something to listen to, okay? Yeah, you're not going to be able to listen to the police if they go encrypted. You may not be listening to the fire if they do the encryption, um, you know, but there's areas out there where there are no police or fire because they're on Tetra and encrypted. And again, no handheld radio is doing Tetra. You have just areas that are like that. Again, there's always going to be something to listen to. Marine traffic, aviation, railroad, amateur radio, GMRS, to name a few. My state PD here, for some reason, still uses VHF point to point. Okay? I'm in New York State. We don't even have a statewide system. So, you know, things are, depending where you live, are also very specific to what's going on. So I definitely see in the next 10 years a move towards more digital. That's just the way I see it. Um, I think that a lot of departments that are not county-based, that are in their own pocketbook, are probably going to stick to what they have because they have to buy the radios and they have to buy their own stuff. Um, businesses will probably go DMR more. Hospitals and stuff like that, DMR. Lighting power companies and all that stuff because they see the benefit of having their maintenance, their you know, their security and everybody else sharing maybe two frequencies or a frequency in two time slots, whereas they needed to have more than that just before. I still think, you know, the hobby's not going to go anywhere. There's always going to be something to listen to some way. All right. Not every single being out there is going to go encrypt. Your listening habits may need to change in the next 10 years, but don't let that take away from anything. Have you know, a change of the way you do things, right? Get more into aviation or mill air 
Um, find something else that gets you excited. You know, look at more of the search banks and what's going on around you and, and discovering things more. It's a great opportunity to get off of your scan list and into your search banks. So, you know, it's that ability there too. Unfortunately, things change. You got to roll with the punches. You know, what happened when things went from crystal control radio to synthesized to PL tones to, you know, trunking and, you know, things, this the evolution, right? Things change. Manufacturers keep up. Yes, encryption is probably going to be a, it's going to be a brick wall, but there's going to be more than just encryption out there. So I don't see the hobby dying. I see the hobby getting more life and getting more uh, more passion behind it when it comes to SDRs. I really think SDRs are, you know, this this new breath of air that is coming into the hobby. So I, I definitely think that it's going to be a little more computer-based, only because more people are going to get into it because it is computer-based. So um, that's that's my thought on it, to be honest with you. And hopefully we can play this podcast back in 10 years and see how right I was or how wrong I was. I mean, I was like watching, you know, uh, something like Back to the Future 2 and uh, seeing how right they were on some things and just seeing how crazy wrong they were. You know, I'm still waiting for my flying car and all that stuff or, uh, but, or a Mr. Fusion, right? But uh, all in all, I mean... The best we could do is look at the last 10 years, see what has changed, and, and, and go forward from there. So I'm, I'm very comfortable with, knock on wood, you know, hoping that things are still monitorable in the next 10 years. Great question. Thank you so much for that one. That was a really fun one to answer. Okay, let's get on to our last question for... Hi, Phil. Garrett here, coming to you from the San Francisco Bay Area. And I've recently become interested in scanning some... Uh, systems over in the East Bay in a county specifically called Alameda County. So if you look at radioreference.com and bring up Alameda County, there's an East Bay Regional Communications System. It's a Project 25 Phase 1 system, and you can see a lot of what's on that system consists of a Northwest simulcast and a Southwest simulcast, and it shows that there are a lot of system frequencies in there on simulcast systems. And it would seem to me that uh, this would be, if I wanted to scan this type of a system, a good contender for an SDS 100 or 200. So just curious if there's any indication based on the system itself, whether this would be um, a good contender for that type of a unit. Thanks for all your help and uh, look forward to many more podcasts to come. Appreciate all your help. Hey, Garrett, I want to thank you so much for asking your question. And Garrett was also interviewed to be a future guest on the podcast. Him and I, we sat down about a week or two ago at this point, and uh, we had a really great conversation. And that interview, that uh, well, that conversation that Garrett and I had will be played at a later date in the podcast. But uh, to go back on your original question there, Garrett, I would definitely think that this would be a great opportunity to upgrade either into a SDS 100 slash 200 or to also look at maybe playing around with some SDR. So normally what I do is exactly what you did, is I go onto radioreference.com, go right into the database section and look at the county. And what you can do is when you start digging into the trunk system, you can actually click on the name of the tower site. So for example here, I clicked on the Alco Southwest Simulcast. 
brings up another page with the site details. It brings up a little map of the radius of that tower location, gives you basically the range of it, the FCC call signs that might be associated to the site, as well as the site frequencies. What happens though is when you click on the site of FCC licensing, it then brings up a map of all the tower locations in that system or that site rather. So depending on how many transmitter locations you have within that site, where you're located in proximity to each one, and just depending on whether you, you're experiencing any issues now with simulcasts on an existing P25 radio that you have, maybe like the 325, the 996, the 436, 536, even the TRX lines, would dictate whether or not you need an SDS 100 or 200. Just looking at the information I provided so far, I am just getting red flags that this should be a radio like the SDS-100, the SDS-200, or even SDRs. So now we look at the Alco Southwest Summercast site details. I'm also tipped off to another clue. The site modulation is P25 LSM CQ PSK. Right here, red flag, you're going to be dealing with an LSM network. You're going to want something like the SDS-100 or the 200, or even a... SDR dongle running something like DSD plus just to demodulate the audio for you the right way. So to really quickly answer your question, based on what I'm looking at here for the East Bay regional communication system, assuming you're in the heart of the system, assuming that you are going to be getting multipath or, or simulcast issues, I would I would say strongly uh, go with the SDS 100-200. Now, in my neck of the woods here, I tried listening to a simulcast system, and I'm outside the county, right? I'm outside looking in, and I still have issues with my 436, my 325, the 996, the TRX-1, TRX-2. They all have issues trying to pick up voice traffic on my neighboring P25 Phase 2 system, okay? SDS-100-200, my communication products, the SDRs, beautiful. So these older radios that aren't built around learning how to use the IQ data is where you have problems with some of these stuff. So all in all, it's a great opportunity. I think you would actually be able to tackle it too based on our previous conversation. Setting up something with an SDR, I think we'd be right up in your wheelhouse as far as getting things done. Now, Garrett had also asked a second question. I'm not going to play that audio here because I'm just going to simply answer. Garrett was asking, how do you know what regions or what areas talk groups like EMS Dispatch 1, EMS Dispatch 2, EMS Dispatch 3, you know, Police Dispatch 1, 2, and 3, what areas they cover? Basically, you would need to find out just by listening to it, what do you hear on it? Sometimes Dispatch 1 or 2 might be something that is just poor documentation based on a user submission on radio reference. Sometimes it's a fallback frequency. Sometimes they break out into zones. So if they're broken into zones, you probably want to know what the zones were. I think the best way to do it is if you can figure it out by listening, then submit the information into radio reference and say, hey, these this talk group covers these specific areas. That's really the best way to do it. So right now, with the limited information that you may have inside a radio reference as to what each one are or is, that's the best way to say it, your best bet is to just figure it out on your own. And that's really the only advice I can give you right now. Is, is And then you'll figure it out just by what you hear on, on that traffic. Maybe it's not even used at all unless something happens, or maybe it's an overflow. It could be just there for that as well. But if you're using something like Unitrunker, DSD+, even software like Open Megahertz, you would be able to quickly find out if there's any activity on 
all of the talk groups on the system and which ones are more active and which ones aren't. So with that, Garrett, I want to say thank you so much for your two questions. I also want to thank you for your time on the previous uh, conversation you and I have had, and that will air shortly as its own dedicated episode here on Scanner School. So with that, we have three people who have submitted their questions via the either SpeakPipe or our voicemail number. Actually, these have all been coming through SpeakPipe. We have Lou Carollo, Josh, Rob, and also Garrett. So... I am going to, no offense, Lou, but being that you are a previous winner, I am going to pull you away from uh, from the possibility of winning this time around. I want to make everything fair. And in the idea of making things fair, Garrett, because you and I have had a conversation in the past already and have already um, gone through some things, I am going to offer you the consulting call, but the true winner here this week will be Joshua Rob, uh, being that I haven't spoken with Joshua yet and that he did take the time to answer the question via SpeakPipe. So Joshua, please reach out and contact me. Congratulations, you are the winner for this month's Ask Scanner School. But Garrett, if um, you still want to have a consulting call or it's a tutoring, a tutoring session, I am more than happy to sit down with you and also offer one to you as well. So with that, I want to thank everybody who submitted a question this month. And if you do have a question for the podcast, do not wait. Do it right now. Scannerschool.com slash ask. There's a link in the session notes. If you're listening on your podcast player, you can just swipe up and go into the session notes. You'll be able to click on it right then and there. But we are batching these um, these uh, podcasts as often as possible at this point. We need to submit this within reasonable time to have the editor work on the files. So with that, we do need a bit more time now. So your cutoff date is the 20th. And again, this will be December 20th. So it doesn't give us much time with the holidays to get things done either. So again, we may need to push it up a little bit on that one as well. So I'm saying, if you've got a question, ask it right now. Scannerschool.com slash ask. Again, everybody, thank you so much for submitting your questions. And we'll catch you all again next Tuesday, 73.